BAM Radio Network. I think there's a lot of misconceptions of our young people, especially our young people of color. And I think those misconceptions lead to expulsions and the disciplinary problems. And then the foul starts piling up and then I'm a discipline problem. And that's what teachers looking at me like. Number three is consider your intentions. If your intentions for me to learn, it should come out in your words. It should come out in your actions. Welcome to ASCD Connect, supporting your journey as a life-changing educator. Here's your host. Hi, I'm Anthony Rabora. I'm the editor-in-chief of ASCD's Educational Leadership Magazine. I'm joined today by Robert Jackson, the author of several books, most recently, Becoming the Educator They Need, Mindsets, Strategies, and Beliefs for Supporting Male, Black, and Latino Students. He has also recently written a very powerful piece in the October issue of Educational Leadership titled, After a Year of Trauma, How Can We Discipline More Fairly? It's a very urgent plea for educators to be especially conscious of the needs of students of color this year in their disciplinary approaches and other interactions. So welcome, Robert. Your article is very personal and urgent in tone, at least the way I read it. What's your greatest concern about students of color as schools reopen this year? Well, my greatest concern is everybody's not okay. And people are coming back and kids have dealt with a lot of trauma over the last, you know, 14, 15 months and kids are behind. And I'm a little bit concerned about educators uh, frustration level with kids that are behind or kids who are coming in from traumatic experiences. It hasn't been okay for everybody. So that's my really my biggest concern is the trauma that kids have dealt with. And if our educators can handle that. Okay, right. So just to be really aware of that. So you talk quite a bit in the article about racial disparities in student discipline and the harsh disciplinary treatment that African-American students often face. And you go back even to your own experiences in school. What's your diagnosis of this problem? It's been around for so long. Well, a lot of the problems, like you said, has been around for a while. So a lot of them are systemic. And I think it's just poured over into our school system. It's the misunderstanding of some of our young men, especially um, our young men of color. Uh, the misunderstanding of a kid misbehaving versus a kid that is playing or a kid who's talking loud versus a kid who's being aggressive. I think there's a lot of misconceptions of our young people, especially our young people of color. And I think those misconceptions lead to the expansions and the expulsions and the disciplinary problems. Speaking from your own experiences, how does that punitive discipline affect students' outlook and motivation? Well, I felt like uh, suspensions don't hardly work. I mean, I was suspended several times from school and I don't remember learning anything. I came back the same way I left and I made good grades, but I was being suspended because of the socio-emotional issues. And I don't believe that a lot of educators took the time and opportunity to find out what's really going on behind the misbehavior. And sometimes I didn't misbehave. I was just suspended for trivial reasons. Teachers said I looked at her the wrong way. So she suspended me for that. The racial microaggressions are real. Those are the everyday insults and demeaning messages sent by people who are unaware of the messages they're sending. So if somebody says something derogatory, I said something back, but I was suspended. But the teacher was never disciplined for it, if that makes sense. So I'm being suspended, but nobody's really dealing with the reason I'm being suspended. Nobody's really sitting us down talking about it. You get suspended for five days, you come back, you step the wrong way, you get suspended again for three days, and then the foul starts piling up. And then I'm an issue. I'm a discipline problem. And that's what teachers looking at me like. So I'm one of the few to slip through the cracks and able to tell the story about it because many kids who fall into that category end up dead or in prison and they never get a chance to tell their side of the story. 
Right. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, you're not just talking about suspensions, but also other punishments where kids are shamed or judged really harshly. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You know, being yelled at for no reason or being called out for no reason, or if you don't know the answer to a question, you're being kicked out of class. Those are some of the experiences that I had. And it wasn't being televised, you know, these different experiences. So I think that when you have those kind of issues going on with young people, it causes them to start putting up a wall. So one of the things you notice that students' negative emotions resulting from trauma or discriminations sometimes surface in ways that look like defiance or disrespect. That's a quote from your article. So what's your advice to educators on trying to see beyond those surface qualities or characteristics? Well, my advice to educators is everybody has lost their emotions at some point. Emotions, feelings on the inside caused by pain or pleasure that move you in a direction. Give these kids a chance, just like somebody else gave you a chance. We know when kids coming in with emotional issues, you know, they need some extra help. You know, most of our kids who have lived over the last 15 months have an unmet need for mental health services. So we need to make sure that we're giving kids what they need. And it takes some discipline, but it also takes some patience because all of our kids are not okay. And it takes a better understanding. That's why I do these workshops around the country, because I'm trying to help educators get a better understanding of working with black and brown kids. Very interesting. So you say that uh, one word that comes to mind for you as a way of working with students this year, uh, including those defiant ones, is servanthood. It's an interesting term, and I can imagine some educators kind of recoiling a bit, like, what do you mean? So can you give us a sense of of what you do mean by that term of servanthood and your interactions with students? Absolutely. I, I believe that anybody who's working in education have to have servanthood on their mind because servanthood is is meeting the needs of others and not just thinking about yourself, but we're servants to our staff. We're servants to our students. That means we do it with humility. That means we got to be humble and not prideful when we're doing this. And when you do it with humility, you take yourself out the center. And servanthood means that we're serving others. I look at myself as a servant, even as an educator. I've been doing this for 26 years. When I'm going in to speak to administrators, or I'm going in to speak to teachers, or I'm going in to work with parents, or I'm going in to work with students, I look at myself as a servant. And I think when you look at your assignment, some people call it jobs, I call them assignments. And when you look at your job or your assignment that way, it just makes it go a little bit better, (laughs) you know, Um, because I don't make it about me. We got to get out of our feelings when we're in education and understand that we're going to be dealing with all kinds of different personalities and all kinds of different attitudes. And our job as educators is to develop emotional intelligence. That means managing my emotions while managing the emotions of other people. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have discipline problems or defiant kids. We have that. But there's just a certain way that we should be dealing with this thing and doing it with love and with servanthood instead of doing it with anger and frustration. I got it. Yeah, that's a great framework to come at it from. So there's been a lot of talk about unintentional or unconscious bias, and you, you, you address this in your article as well. Speaking as a Black man who does work a lot in schools, where do you think educators fall into bias thinking most commonly? What are the, what are the biggest traps for that, and how can they work on this? Well, many of the biases are unconscious. You know, when you don't know that you have biases, I feel like that's one of the worst things you can do. And you can't manage something that you're in denial about because many of us do have biases. I mean, I believe that everyone has some kind of bias. 
those hidden factors. We do things that we don't know that we're doing. And we also know about explicit bias. Explicit bias means racial slurs or different things that you're saying, and you actually know what you're saying. So there's a difference between the explicit bias and unconscious bias. And we have to make sure that we understand that biases can cause problems in kids, you know, and we have to manage our biases. And how do we manage our biases? Well, number one, you have to be careful with the words that you use. Mm -hmm. You know, word choice is important. Number two, avoid stereotyping. Just because I'm growing up in an inner city neighborhood or growing up in a violent neighborhood don't mean I don't have the ability to learn. Number three is consider your intentions. If your intentions for me to learn, it should come out in your words. It should come out in your actions. After you did all this, focus on the impact. What is the impact to that student? What is the impact to that parent? What is the impact to your uh, staff? How are they feeling afterwards? So we have to make sure that we're managing our biases, but we all have them. And uh, many of them are unconscious. And we have to just make sure that we are conscious of that. Okay. Okay. I see. The last thing I want to say, because you're talking about implicit bias, I want to make sure that I address the fact that many of the biases are taught. They're taught by family members. They're taught by family friends. They're taught by the media. They're taught by uh, society. So we have to step out of that safe space and to address bias and step into a brave space. So it takes uh, two people sitting down together talking about something. You may not like what we have to say to each other, but we have to respect each other. So I think Diversity is about acceptance and respect. And I just want to make sure I address that, that you got to step out of your safe space into your brave space. Thank you to Robert Jackson for joining us and for sharing his experiences and expertise. And thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. To read Robert Jackson's article and others from our October 2021 issue of Educational Leadership, go to www.ascd.org el. If you like the ASD Connect podcast, you'll enjoy listening to ISTE's Learning Unleashed with Carl Hooker. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to ASCD Connect, supporting your journey as a life-changing educator. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.